Hi there, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. And I'm Dave. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again on The Talking Dead. This is episode number 16 for July 26, 2010. Thank you everybody for coming. Jason and I are happy to welcome Dave back onto the show. It's been a few episodes since we've had you, buddy. How's it going? I'm happy to join you on your sweet 16. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. If we were a person, we'd be legal to drive now. Legal to, try, legal to drive, that's exciting. That is exciting. And Mary in some southern states or Newfoundland. <laughs> I was going to say legal to drink in some European countries, but it's all good. In Montreal. <laughs> and Montreal. Legal to drink at 16 in Montreal? Is it no. 17? 18. It's got to be 18. It, yeah. it could be 12. Because <laughs> I remember I was 17 when I was in Quebec and I, and I got drunk and we went to a strip club. 17, eh? Yeah, but I was in the military. Oh, so if you I, have a military uniform on, you can get away with anything. So yeah. he was drunk and shooting things. <laughs> Pretty much. We walked into the, uh, the strip club and showed him our military ID and the guy went, come on in. Wow. See, and that's why it's good to know Jason during the coming zombie apocalypse, because he has military training. Yeah, he can get us into strip clubs. I, I don't have any military ID anymore. It was a little piece of paper that I think I washed. Oh, so you, you could, we could fake one, no problem. Well, yeah. then, back in 1980-something, whatever. Yeah, just as a young man. Just as a young man. Now ID is more complicated. Well, did they teach you how to use a gun? Well, they t- taught me how to shoot a rifle. A gun is a big howitzer type thing. Uh, well, in my world, a gun is anything that shoots bullets. No. And you learn how to, to shoot one, which could be handy in the coming zombie apocalypse. That's a rifle or a pistol. Well, you know what? I should have a nice conversation with my dad because he learned how to use uh, explosives. Oh, that'd be handy. That yeah. might come in handy. Hard to Next come by. Next time he comes though. down, I should try and get a lesson off of him. <laughs> dad, how do I blow, blow things up? I need to blow up some zombies, Dad. That's right. Bring your dynamite with you, would you? <laughs> On a plane. I must remember to curb my language. Okay, well, let's get right into the news. As everybody knows, it is the day after Comic-Con San Diego has finished. Mm -hmm. The Walking Dead presence at Comic-Con this year was massive, for all I could tell, uh, having not been there. But they had a panel, they had a booth, they had uh, a trailer release, they had zombies walking around the show floor and the panel. Um, They had absolutely frigging everything. Yeah, they pulled on all the stuffs. Yeah, it, it seemed like a... Just a really, really massive presence AMC pulled off here. Maybe the biggest single exhibitor um, at the con, but I, I can't oh, really I don't say know for about sure. that. Well, it depends what your focus is, I suppose. I, I mean, I know uh, Marvel had a big one with the Avengers announcement, and there was a lot of big announcements there, which uh, we could probably do a whole other podcast on, but... Some exciting stuff came out of that, too, if you're into the Avengers. Right. Um, but uh, so the Walking Dead panel had, as we reported, it had some of the producers, it had Robert Kirkman, and it had four of the primary actors, maybe five. Um, and uh, they, were all, they were all pretty good. Did you guys watch it? I did. I watched the highlight reel. I didn't watch the whole, the whole thing. Dave, did you see any of the panel itself? I've not seen the panel. I was about to press play and... They made me do work. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that happens at your day job, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Bummer. Um, I personally watched the whole thing because it was in chunks on YouTube. How long was it? It was an hour. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have that kind of time. I did it last night preparing for this. Oh, maybe, you'll, maybe over my lunch I'll watch it. And... Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's sort of, it was kind of your standard stuff. Um, it was moderated by uh, some... I forget who now, from one of the popular uh, blogs. And they brought out first... Steve. Sure, that one. First, they brought out the um, producers uh, and Frank Darabont and uh, Robert Kirkman. And they did a short Q&A with them. And then after they brought out Andrew Lincoln, um, Shane Bernthal, Lori Holden, Emma John Bell... Bernthal. John Bernthal. Sorry, his character's Shane, isn't it? Sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, that's going to get confusing. It is. Um, and then they, they sort of introduced themselves, and they basically took questions. Um, but let's go through a couple of general points I made about it. There was one big announcement, and I think the it's probably the biggest announcement of anything that came out of the con, and that is that Bear McCreary is going to be composing the score for the show. 
That is rad. That is rad. And you guys, of course, know that Bear McCreary is the composer from Battlestar Galactica. Yep. Which was just an unbelievably good, well-scored show. I can I can call up portions of the score into my uh, brain grapes at uh, pretty much any time I want. Your brain okay, grapes. Quick, hey? Sing the theme to Battlestar Galactica. No, I don't sing. <laughs> do it. Sing the no. original theme, which he had nothing uh, to do with. No. Okay. That one I can't recall off the top of my head. Dave, give us a give us a little taste there. There we go. <laughs> okay. Enough. Thank you. That reminds me of Lauren Green. <laughs> well, that was amazing. Um, so yeah, he'll be scoring it. That's great. He said something about uh, that. Somebody asked him if he was going to do the typical like build to a moment and scare you with a loud noise and stuff like that. And I thought he gave a really honest answer and he said you know what this is a bit this is a horror program and sometimes you want to use music for that kind of a scare the thing is we don't want to do it all the time and we're going to do it in a creative and unique way that that reminds me of something my uh, my first drum instructor instructor taught me is uh, if you accent everything you accent nothing if you make everything yeah. important, nothing becomes important. So Absolutely. doing that all the time is just going to become background noise. You won't even notice it. But if you do it every once in a while, you do it creatively, you do it well, you do it in the right moments, it could be really powerful. So what do you suppose he means by we're going to do it creatively? And what was the other word he used? Um, creatively or in an unexpected way, something like that. I, I remember yeah. the. I, I mean, I remember him saying it, but unfortunately I didn't make a note of the exact quote. Oh, okay, because... Um, it's a curious way to phrase something, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. But I think he just wanted to make sure that he wanted to sort of quell people's fears a little bit that it was just going to be a zombie jumps out at you kind of scare, right. which we all know that's not going to happen in this well, show. It could be a zombie. It could be a cat because we all know cats jump is out there, of you in the dark. Can you guys think of a show that music has paid, played such an important role in? Other than Battlestar, you mean? I don't know, besides Battlestar, sure. Well, because Battlestar is obvious in my mind. Well, because you just said Barry McCree. Well, no, just in general. I, I really thought the uh, the score and the music in uh, in Battlestar Galactica was fantastic. I thought it was a very, yeah. very powerful thing. Yeah. Do you guys think that Bear McCreary had anything to do with the All Along the Watchtower thing in Battlestar? Or was that more of a sound editor decision, less a composer decision? No, I think he he arranged that, didn't he? Well, that's, I'm not really sure. I mean, they used music as a really important driving force about the right. Cylons reeling, realizing who they were, right? I mean, as far as introducing the idea of using that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's not something he composed, obviously. It's, an, it's a pre-existing song. That's a musical choice made by somebody. Um, and it was, all, it, it, it was pretty much a plot device, right? So right. I, I wonder if the composer is involved in that kind of uh, decision or if he's strictly doing the score, um, you know, which he he writes to the visuals, kind of. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was never happy with the decision of that. Well, I, you know, I wasn't either. Well, I mean. That, that, that it's, that's, honestly, that is Battlestar Galactica's one stumbling block as far as I'm concerned. Oh, there was a few stumbling blocks in the last year. I've got issues with some of the decisions they made, and that's just one of them in my mind. Well, I don't want to go down too much of a BSG rat hole, but I think the... I never really minded that use of the song in in the in the uh, show because to me it just kind of represented. I could get past the fact that it was a recognizable song and it represented the common experience that these uh, right. sleeper Cylons had, for lack of a right. better term, right? right? And it's what woke them up and brought them together. Right. And that could be it could represent anything really. So I was okay with it. As far as uh, as far as scores, musical scores for television shows go, I think Lost did a really good job of uh, yeah. of their score, and the only other one I can think of is Magnum PI. Well, Lost was scored by Michael Giancino, I think his name was. Um, Quick, he, who did Magnum PI? I don't know, <laughs> but uh, Giancino is doing um, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer on Magnum PI? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Is the guy that did Axel F? Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> I don't know. Harold Faltermeyer. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? You know what show really sticks out in my mind as far as a great use of, of of sound and score is the X Files. 
I was going to say The X-Files, and I was thinking of it because I recently just rewatched the pilot of the episode. Did you? The, yeah, because it was... You just wanted to see uh, Scully with her top off. Uh, well, let, you know, what, what <laughs> can I say? what that is? <laughs> um, no, it was free on iTunes, so I downloaded oh. it, and I'm like... Well, now I, like, I want to see Scully with her top off. That's right. So I watched it, and it was good, and, I, and the first thing I noticed is they didn't have the X-Files theme in there yet. It was some, oh, some mystery. Really? Yeah, some mystery theme. That probably came in the second episode. Um, but, uh, the rest of the music in that, I can't say I really noticed it at all, to be but honest that's the with thing. you. As, as near as I can recall in every episode, there was constantly music playing in the background. It's constant. It doesn't stop. Yeah. So it, it's an unusual device. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the X-Files was my favorite show for a long time. But uh, I didn't notice the music in the pilot. But you guys should go download that. It was fun to rewatch. Well, it says I don't think it's free anymore because now it is two forty nine. All right. Well, sorry, you guys. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yeah. Um, so Bear McCreary, that's big news. That's exciting. That I think was probably the, the biggest single announcement from the con. Um, we got confirmation that Michael Rooker and Norman Reedus are playing uh, brothers. Uh, yeah, I have their names here. Hold on. You got their names there. There we go. Uh, Merle Dixon and Daryl Dixon. Do you have any more info on that? Are they? No, just Michael Rooker is playing that, and Norman Reedus is playing uh, Daryl. Okay, and, and his brother so, Daryl. Couple new, couple new characters. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Hopefully They're, not. Uh, Hopefully um, Norman. Well, both of those are semi big name actors. Although yeah. I don't know Norman Reedus, but he was, was in Blade Two. He played a vampire. Did he? Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there was a fair bit of excitement when he was announced. So I'm afraid yeah. I don't know who he is, but uh, I remember him from Blade Two. He was uh, one of the, uh, the you know the antagonist vampire. Yeah, I remember one yeah. of just a single line he said. He was saying, "These people are our food." That's it. That's <laughs> the whole line I remember. Don't regard them as anything more well, than they, food. As far as I know, they play brothers, criminal brothers, who uh, Rick has to team up with. At a certain point. That's all I know. Yeah. Cri- criminal Brothers. Criminal Brothers. Originally, I thought they were going to be the two brothers that ended up uh, shooting Rick at the beginning, but uh, apparently that's not the case. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's, speaking of that, let's, let's talk about the trailer that they showed. Um, it, was, it was about four and a half minutes long, which is long. long too long, in my opinion. Oh, I don't think so. I think it was, it was exciting from beginning to end. I thought it, was, I thought it showed pretty yes. much the entire pilot episode. It hit all the major plot points. It did. So it starts with the shootout on the highway, basically the first scene of the first issue of the comic. Yep. Um, It's an expanded scene, though. There are more cops. Um, There's a car chase. The comic just opens with Rick and Shane behind their cars shooting at the guy. Yeah. Um, But in this, we have the car rolling over. We got all kinds of stuff happening. I thought it looked great. I thought it looked exciting. I thought it did, too. I thought it it was neat how... Uh, Rick delivers the line, something about making sure you have a bullet in the chamber when he pops out of that car, because we don't want anyone to have to reload or anything like that. Well, it's a time-saving advice. That that just seems like the kind of thing that you wouldn't really get in a TV show. Nobody cares about ammo in TV shows or movies, right? It's That's just true. All, it's just always there. But it seems like there was some thought taken, but like, okay, police might actually say that if a guy's coming at them with a gun or about to come around the corner or out of a car. Especially if it's not a normal situation for uh, a police force. And having a, you know, a small town uh, bunch of deputies, mm-hmm. uh, they may not be used to having a car coming around the corner and having to get ready for a shootout. So I think that's sound advice. I think so, too. And given in a, in a realistic situation, and you're right, people do not care about ammo in, uh, in, t- in TV shows or movies unless the number of shots you take is a specific plot point. Yeah, of course. A plot um, device. Well, I think it was pretty cool that that's there. It, it just you know, enhances my feeling that they're really taking care with the writing of this and, and thinking about things like that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so what else did we see? We see, uh, we see lots of you know, random shots of, of zombies. We see Rick in and leaving the hospital after he wakes up from his coma. We see him getting back to his house. I think him falling out of bed and calling for the nurse was a very iconic image in the, uh, in the graphic novel, and I'm glad that they kept that. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought it looked cool. Um, and uh, 
what struck me about the hospital scenes is that we seem to get, again, a lot more than we did in the comic. In the comic, he gets out of the bed, well, he falls down. First thing he does is put his clothes on because they're in the closet there. And then, you know, encounters a few zombies on his way out, but then he's out of the hospital and done. In this, he really sort of explores the hospital a bit. You see him leaving. He doesn't have his clothes on, so he finds them later, I guess. And you just see rows and rows of bodies and stuff like that stacked up outside in the parking lot and whatnot. And, um, it's really truck full of bodies really kind of got me excited. I got to say, yeah, I'm excited listening to you describe it, even though I've seen it myself. Yeah. Well, there you go. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, yes. All right. And then we see him on the horse in Atlanta. Yep. Uh, I don't all think, horse. I, yeah, I don't think we get any scenes of the horse being eaten, but yet, well, yeah, not in the, yeah. not in the, not uh, in this trailer, though. not in the trailer. Yeah. That's what I mean. They didn't give that away, but I know for a fact it's in the in the episode. Yeah. Um, I just thought there was one scene. It was a pretty quick cut, but uh, Rick is at a full gallop on the horse through the Atlanta street with like a right. swarm of zombies behind him. Yeah, it, I thought it was. It just looks so awesome. Yeah, just you see, know what? Uh, what scene got me was the scene where. And they've talked about it before, and they've made mention of the little girl zombie. Oh, yes. the way she was walking was yeah. the way she creepy. Was walking, it's just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Yeah, she was super creepy. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, yeah. Just without, like, moving her arms and kind of coming at him. But... There, there was a, de- there was a t- determined gait to her. I mean, she wasn't running, but it was, she, you could tell that she wanted to. Oh, yeah. It was just like, ah! <laughs> that was amazing. So the other scene that really got to me was um, something that was also straight out of the comic. So on the poster and all the promotional images, you guys have seen the picture of the really, really um, uh, decomposing zombie woman that's kind of reaching towards the camera yes. with her mouth open a bit. Yep. One of the most disgusting zombie shots we've seen, I think. Um, on the posters and the initial picture released was just her sort of torso and up. Yep. Um, uh, I had heard from her that, from the actress that played that role, if you can call it that, that wait till you see sort of the rest of her, because the rest of her is in the show. And yeah. so she plays, I don't know if you guys remember the first issue of the comic, but Rick encounters this woman on the side of the road. She's basically a skeleton with very yeah. little of her legs left, but she's a zombie, so her head is kind of alive, and she's just lying there going like this, kind of re- reaching out to him. And it's a scene where he's really, really affected by it, and he, he breaks down a little bit, and then he's kind of like kneels down and, and uh, cries on the pavement. He has a bike with him at the time. Anyways, that scene is in the show, or yep. at least was in the trailer. And Rick goes to... Um, forget the exact order of things in the comic, but when he goes to the police station to get the guns and the cars, he takes one back to her and yes. he shoots her and he, he kills her to get her out of her misery, I guess. And we saw that in the trailer too. We so did. we do that, but we, in the trailer, we see the full effect of that zombie. It was unbelievable because she really is like a torso lying there. Yeah. That was yeah, pretty stellar. Uh, groovy. It was awesome Gross. and disturbing at the yeah. same time, you know? So, um, it was amazing. I am hoping to get that actress on the show, but, uh, we'll see if that pans that out. That would be rad. That would be cool. Um, so trailer was amazing. Um, it ends with an overhead shot looking down on a crowd of zombies around the tank. I think Yes. the quality of these, of course, wasn't perfect because, Yet. uh, we had to watch, uh, we had to watch cell phone footage, cell phone <laughs> footage. We get it. But, uh, nope. Overall, really, really, really great trailer. It made me that, really excited. That scene, that's the end of the pilot, isn't it? Yes, it is. I believe so. From the script uh, walkthrough that we've read. Yeah. Yep. I think that's been confirmed after, too, uh, not right. just from that script walkthrough. That's what I mean by the whole, the, the trailer seems to take all the major plot points. <laughs> we have the shootout at the beginning. We have uh, Rick in the hospital. We have him talking to, to Morgan and Dwayne. We have him finding the horse. We have him uh, shooting this, this zombie on the side of the road. We have him in Atlanta on the horse. We see the zombies overwhelm him on the horse. Uh, and then he ends up in the tank. The tank is not in the uh, the actual graphic novel, but I think all the major plot points in the uh, in the pilot were all hit in this trailer. Well, that's sort of the problem with a four minute trailer, though. Yeah, is that you you do run that that risk. I think there, that there are certain milestones that they show which you can compare to the books, 
and there's others which we haven't seen in the books. I mean, uh, sure. But I think it was a pretty nice balance of both. Okay, See, that, that's right. I mean, there might. Be, I mean, you're right that uh, there very well may be lots in the uh, in the pilot that they didn't show. I think so. I mean, a four minute trailer for a one hour pilot, or really like a forty forty eight minute or whatever it is TV show, um, you're going to show a lot. And I think they probably they went with stuff that people were going to be familiar with, right? At least at least readers of the comic. Yeah, that's true. Most of that stuff was right out of the comic. So there's going to be a lot of other stuff. And that sort of brings me to another point I took away, or two others that I took away from, from the panel. And one is that they were really, really open, I thought, with the fact that Rick does, in fact, find his family in the camp outside Atlanta. There, there was no hiding that. They weren't worry about, worrying about that as a spoiler. Right. So I have a feeling that he, that probably happens early on in the six-episode arc. And so they're not really worried about that being like a cliffhanger till the end of the sixth episode. And because people know that's going to happen, they weren't too worried about letting it out. So with that in mind, I think they're showing <clears throat> stuff in the trailer that you know people are familiar with. And it serves well, to get people excited, too. It's a good way to do it. Right. Speaking of showing stuff in the trailer, I, uh, Jason and I actually were talking about this earlier. And we noticed that uh, as they were right at the very beginning when the car was approaching them, uh, I think it was Shane that shouts an expletive. He oh, does. Yeah, he does. He said shit. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is okay with me. You get the odd shit on Breaking Bad. And, do you? Uh, yeah, you do. Once yeah. in a while. They don't use the F word. I believe they're not allowed to do that. Um, but they're allowed the odd shit. Although they've used the F word on Breaking Bad, and they've kind of beeped out the middle, so you get the yeah. beginning of the end. <laughs> it's the point? it's uh, it's sort of like a lot of hip hop songs. Exactly. There's almost oh. no point, but Did they you, do it. Have you ever seen unnecessary censorship? Uh, it's the Jimmy Kimmel we live in show. Jimmy Kimmel stuff. <laughs> oh my God! Go to Jimmy Kimmel and look up unnecessary censorship. They do some. There's a lost one that is absolutely fantastic. There is yeah. a Muppet Show one which is great. <laughs> I think I know what you're. I think I know what you're talking. I think didn't you send that to me once? I, I don't know, but it, I know just exactly I, I check it out every while. I look for it every once in a while to get some new stuff, but it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We, we you and I, Jason, watched the lost one together one night after recording a podcast, and it was absolutely oh, hilarious. It's great. Um, so uh, regarding the trailer, Frank Darabont said that they had to, or maybe this was Gail Ann Hurd, I forget, said that they had to um, hold back a little on it because Comic-Con is a family-friendly place. That's great. So If they can say shit and they're holding back, that's great. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're, that's a great point. You're absolutely right. <laughs> oh. Um, One thing I noticed about the trailer, I don't know if this is going to be, uh, I'm not sure exactly what this means, but most of the pilot episode takes place outside. And that made me think that most of the show is going to take place outside. Well, it is. I mean, they they live outside. Exactly. I don't know if that's going to be, uh, you know, harder to produce and to film than an indoor kind of thing or whether it's going to make it easier, you know, shooting on location versus <clears throat> soundstage stuff. Well, they're obviously going to have a lot more location shooting to do. They're, as the show progresses, you know, and gets to some of the major milestone plot-related stuff from the comic, I suppose they're going to end up with some sets. Right. Um, but if the show goes, you know, on as far as the comic has, nothing lasts forever, as we know. So yeah. um, they might have sets that they use for a couple of years and then move on from them because something happened. I just, I just, I know the first six episodes primarily, uh, the whole thing is going to be outside. So that's a lot of outside shooting that they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of location shooting, and I just don't know if that's uh, harder to produce and to, you know, to coordinate, or whether it's easier to produce and coordinate because well, they don't have I'm to sure have there's a soundstage. A certain difficulty to it because you have to deal with the weather. Yeah, there's the weather you're, factor. You're sort of a slave to the weather as far as that happens, and you're a slave to lighting as well. Yep. Lighting has got to be a nightmare because, I mean, it changes all the time when you're outside. It's true. That damn sun, it keeps going around the planet almost <laughs> yeah. every day. Almost yeah. every day. Um, so here's something else interesting that sort of came out of the panel, but not really because we got this before Comic-Con uh, started. And that is the show has essentially been confirmed for a second season. Yes. Already. We have, they sort of snuck that in there, didn't they? They, they did. They did. And it all comes from a contest that AMC is running, if I'm not mistaken, that... Yeah. 
you can win a walk-on role as a zombie in the second season. I saw that. How many times have you entered? I, you, can't. you know what? I haven't yet. I tried. You have to be a U.S. citizen. Oh. Or <sighs> in the U.S. at least. I tried. I tried filling it. As soon as I found that out, I'm like, oh, my God. First of all, season two. And, oh, my God, I can win a trip to be a zombie? Damn right I'm going to go to zombie school. Absolutely. So I tried, but uh, I think you can only be American. Well, having a U.S. address. That's anyway. a huge bummer. Um, AMC, please invite us for a set visit anytime. That would be fantastic. You're welcome to, welcome to come to Canada and film here, too, because that'd be cool. That would be really you know cool. Why don't you invite them to a set visit for the taping of a Talking <laughs> Dead podcast? AMC? Come on down into the underground studios. <laughs> that right now is a, you know, a big concrete hole. It's a bunker. It is a this bunker. This is a good place to hole up during a zombie apocalypse in a nice concrete bunker. You can shoot some great prison scenes in there. <laughs> Yeah, we wouldn't have anything to eat, but you could do your laundry. Yeah, there's too many windows. <laughs> um, but so speaking of season two, somebody asked um, Frank if they're going to get to characters like Tyrese and Michonne. And he said that not right away because they don't come in right away, but probably in season two. Okay, so season one is only going to be six episodes. Right. That, See, that's kind of disappointing for me. Well, I would have liked to have seen 12. Uh, okay, who knows? They, I mean, they took a pretty pretty big chance on on picking it up in the first place. Yeah. So I'm not going to. I mean, well, I mean, can't you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Yes, and and Robert Kirkman spoke to that. I have a couple of quotes from him. He said one thing. He said is that he never expected it to be adapted uh, over the years because zombies on TV seemed like a tough sell. Yeah. And he's kind of right. But now that it's happening, you know, AMC is fully on board, according to. Um, Stillerman, the AMC exec that was there, but still, you know, they, you never know what's going to happen with a show like this. I found this quote on a, on a blog. I don't know if I didn't actually uh, hear it in the uh, in the panel discussion, but it's from Robert Kirkman. It's remarkable, he said. You hear horror stories about adaptations, and every step along the way, this has been perfect. It's really bizarre, but I feel blessed. I guess my the point I wanted to make was you hear horror stories about ad- adaptations. This is an adaptation of a horror story. <laughs> Isn't that clever? <laughs> yeah. He did say that at the panel. Okay. Uh, I remember seeing that. Um, yeah, he says everything has been just hunky-dory. He's, he's, he couldn't be happier with the way things are going. Me neither, really. So Frank said that Tyrese, when they were auditioning people for the role of um, Morgan, I think, uh, he got all kinds of guys in. And in the back of mind, he was thinking, he could play Tyrese. He could play Tyrese. So he said he's got a folder of Tyrese's at his house that, you know, he's going to look up when the time comes. Nice. So definitely going to be there. Michael Jai White. Yep. Who knows? It's great. That's great casting, Dave. Um, okay. So let's see. Oh, they said that there's the possibility of well-known horror directors doing episodes in future seasons. That's good. Also cool. Great. Uh, we're going to have George Romero doing one. Really? No. <laughs> uh, they they dropped that name when they said that, but who knows what could happen. Well, you drop that name. John Carpenter. Anything to do yeah. with zombies, really. That would be cool, no matter what. And here's something that got... is It's a small thing, but I'm really excited about it. They might release the show on DVD or Blu-ray in black and white. Well, that's just like Frank Darabont, isn't it? It is, just <laughs> like The Mist. <laughs> um, they said that maybe just the pilot, maybe the whole thing, they're not really sure, but the possibility is out there, and apparently it's up to AMC if well, they want to do that. It takes a lot of work to convert it to, you know, you can't just flick on black and white and... No, you, it's like hitting grayscale in Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, you, it's one click. You desaturate. Done. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you have to shoot with black and white in mind in order for it to work, right? I guess so. And they probably don't just flick a switch. They probably adjust contrasts. They adjust all kinds of stuff to look good in black and white. It, it so. actually has to be, uh, for black and white photography, it actually has to, be, has to have harsher lighting than color uh, photography. Yeah. So it's hard to, to do both at the same time. It, take, it would take a lot of post-processing, I think. You're probably right. And maybe cool. maybe that's why they're only going for the pilot, yeah. or that's what they hinted at. So no matter what, I think it would be really, really cool. It would be. I would love to see it. In From black what and white. I saw in the trailer, I think it would work in black and white. In your expert opinion. In my expert amateur appearance. <laughs> opinion. That's right. Uh, my, my appearance is amateurish. Uh, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so finally, is there anything else? Um Frank Darabont said, we will take every interesting detour we want and come back to Robert's template in the long run, in the long term. Um, and they talked about that a little bit, which we've, we've brought up here before, but 
you know, Robert Kirkman is happy to let it go where it goes as long as uh, it comes back to his overall story arc. Yeah. Very exciting. How many uh, sort of paths can they go off in a, in a six-episode story arc, though? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair fair enough point, Dave. You're right. I mean, the, the six episodes in season one, mm-hmm. I'll be surprised if there's too much detour. Now, that yeah. said, there's an awful lot of new characters. There is. Right. So there could be a great amount of setup for season future season stuff right because i think we're going to get a little bit of backstory on these new characters or at least Mm -hmm. the ones that they're planning on having stick around for a while even not really (laughs) i mean there's you know backstory is not lost regardless of whether or not the the characters stick around for a while oh that's true i mean you can be fully attached and invested in a character in one episode yeah you know and then be sad when they're killed off at the end so (laughs) look at the size of the cast of lost I mean, oh my God! There was that so really many. That really grew over the years, and it kept growing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this this cast is great, especially for a, a character study that uh, that this can turn out to be easily. Uh, I think that having this many characters is uh, is fantastic, and I think it could uh, it could open things up quite a bit. Well, speaking of backstory, one of the things that Sarah Wayne Callies mentioned when she was uh, on the panel is that Rick and Laurie have a very complicated marriage that in this do. in this uh, TV adaptation, more so probably than in the book. Um, Their marriage is complicated in the book, but it is sort of brought on by events that are depicted in the book. Um, Here, we're going to get a little bit more pre-zombie outbreak information, and I think we're going to see them sort of... Uh, you know, in a marriage that might be winding down, (laughs) for lack of a better term, they're going to be probably... I think they're going to be having some problems and maybe coming to the point where they realize that you know, their marriage might be over. However, then, you know, the world ends, zombies come, <laughs> and that, I mean, if if nothing else is going to bring you together, it's going to be that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a tough thing to go through, regardless of, uh, you know, what your relationship is with your wife. And, uh, you know, that kind of pressure can either bring you closer together or tear you apart. Absolutely. You don't have a kid to fix the marriage. You definitely do not. Or the zombie apocalypse. Well, yeah, you never <laughs> have a kid to fix the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> no. And uh, I think, I, I really do think that the whole relationship between uh, Lori and Rick and even Shane, you bring Shane into the mix and you bring Carl into the mix, that whole love triangle, and that, that's just a big mess that can be explored for a long period of time. It makes for good TV. Makes for great TV. And it's going to, because one of the things <clears throat> Frank said is that someone asked him, or maybe, maybe it wasn't a question, but they were talking about that dynamic in the show, and uh, he said something like, we like having Shane around. We will get to that point in the story, but maybe not as quickly as the comic. And that's what I was hoping for. That's great news. Yeah. I, I, I think they in, even in the graphic novel, they could have had Shane around for a lot longer. And oh, I think they could they, have. They could have they, that storyline could have uh, lasted for years. They probably could have had a lot of people around a lot longer. <laughs> they probably could have. The rate at which people are offed, yes, they certainly could. Um, so before we move on, a couple of quick I don't know, interesting points. Apparently, Andrew Lincoln and John Bernthal did an audition in Frank's Garage. Isn't that a Frank Zappa song? Frank's Garage? No, it was Joe's Garage. It was an album. It was a really good album. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Andrew Lincoln flew from London all the way over to Hollywood. To the garage. Yeah, doing an audition (laughs) in the garage with Shane and apparently, or with John and his dog, apparently. But I don't know how the dog factored into it. You should have got them to arm wrestle. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) lovely whoever wins the arm wrestle gets to play rick (laughs) um robert kirkman said i think you guys are all gonna be blown away meaning the fans that'd be great so being blown away is the best thing i can ask for well i mean it's encouraging that the creator of this is so is backing it so heartily you take a look at all of the Stephen King projects that he's backed off of. You take a look at all the Alan Moore adaptations that he's backed off of. And uh, there's a lot of good things in the works here, I think. You know what, guys? I think the feeling I'm getting is that this we are in the midst of, like, the perfect uh, Walking Dead storm where— I hate that phrase. All The perfect storm Sorry. is happening. <laughs> well, what would you prefer I say? 
uh, great television show. Eye of the Tiger, baby. We are in the Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) Eye of the Tiger for the Walking Dead TV show. I like that better, actually. Jay. Jay, Jay, Jay. (laughs) There's your theme song. Um, It's... We've got the right creative people coming. We've got the right time in sort of the height of zombie popularity and popular culture. We've got super source material. We've got good producers. We've got a great TV network. And it's all just coming together at the right time. And I think we're going to get something absolutely fantastic it's out of it. the perfect lasagna. Right. The but the audience just needs to pick it up. Joe Public needs to pick it up. That's. But I have a feeling that is going to happen. With the amount of yeah. excitement there's been... I mean, I know I pay attention to this probably most more than most people do. Right. But just with the amount of excitement and the Comic Con presence, and just and like I said, the current you know popularity of zombies in popular culture, I think we are right at the right moment for this. I was talking well, to plus, somebody about this today. I was talking about uh, you know doing the podcast tonight and about this uh, you know all about the, the zombie television show and about how it's going to be picked up by uh, or it's going to be on AMC, which has Mad Men and uh, Breaking Bad. And she pretty much had no idea what I was talking about. She heard of Mad Men a little bit, had no idea what. Uh, uh, Breaking Bad was never heard of the AMC, and she's like, you know, really, is someone like me going to know about this first of all, or care about this second of all? And you know, well, I, I really don't know. Now she does. That's the well, thing. that's because I'm blabbing on about it. But you exactly, know, it's worth. Okay, that works for me. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a certain amount of word of mouth. Um, Mad Men, AMC's got some popular shows, you know, and it'll help that this is premiere premiering during Fear Fest which mm-hmm. is going to have a lot of horror-loving eyeballs well, on the She had screens. no idea what Comic-Con was either. Well, well you know what? <laughs> the general populace, I don't think, really knows either. No. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are, of course, people out there that don't watch TV, that don't see movies, that just don't follow this kind of stuff. I yeah. live around a lot of them, you know, um, in this neighborhood. And uh, it's the way it is. But I think... Um, <laughs> gross, Dave. <laughs> Stop licking the screen, eh? I think, I think that it's just... I think we're at the peak of of zombie popularity, and I think this is the time to do it. We are, and it's coming. It's coming. You know, on top of that, you have shows like True Blood that sort of bring the horror angle out. Yeah, people are attracted to the show. It's a massively popular show, and I mean, okay, it's vampires, but it's still horror. Hey, if we can get twenty percent of the uh, the Breaking Bad audience to watch, twenty percent of the Mad Men audience, twenty percent of the True Blood audience, and and 20% of the Jersey Shore audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Dexter. Don't forget about Dexter. And Dexter and, and Another great you know, 20% show. of the lost audience, which is dying for something new. We could have a lot of people on our hands that's, watching That's this, true. You know? So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a... Perfect a, lasagna. A perfect lasagna. A perfect lasagna. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so that's, that's the panel. Yeah, I got to go eat too. Fat um, boy must feed. <laughs> So, Drew Struzan, the poster artist that we talked about last week, has the exclusive poster at Comic-Con. Have you guys seen it? I yes. Have, yes. So, it is strictly a picture picture of zombies, painted in kind of his style. I didn't love it. Like, I thought it was good, but I didn't love it. I was hoping for, uh, I don't know what I was hoping for, something slightly different. Uh, I think I would have liked to have seen the um, some sort of mixture of the cast and the zombies, or yeah. less zombie presence there. It's, it's really, kind of, I, I I I understand your objection, Dave. <laughs> really, but <laughs> and and I do think it looks cool. But I would have liked to have seen him incorporate somehow Rick, the family, who knows, something like that. Okay, but so I would agree with you, Chris, in yeah. that this uh, this poster is kind of. I'm going to go with a with a, a hoy polloi. A hoity-toity phrase. It's derivative. It's uh, it seems kind of just standard zombie fare. You know, you have a horde of zombies. You have the moon. You have uh, some uh, I don't know seagulls in the background. Just uh, and the, it's very symmetrical, right? Moving back from the the zo- front zombie. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't know something about it. Just I I don't hate it. I like it. I would love to have a copy, but right. I don't know if I'd put it up in my room. But you're also featuring a lot of the, the zombies that they've shown. You know, they've shown the zombie in the suit, one who featured prominently in the trailers. They have uh, the torso zombie woman right there in the yeah. in the front. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that you would call it derivative, but I would call it more more of a throwback to, you know, the old zombie movies, the covers Classic. that you used to see in these old zombie movies. 
Yeah, that's that that is true. I thought that of the trailer, you know, as well that uh, there was some classical zombie movie essence to it as well, which I which I did like in that case. Yeah, no, the trailer, the way it looked, uh, and that could have been due to the Super 16, I think, they're shooting it on. Yeah. The film, it did kind of remind me of some of the older older, older zombie classics. Yeah. The, yeah. Just the look of it. But anyways, the trail, uh, the, uh, the poster, I mean, you know, if my local comic shop had one, I might pick it up. But uh, it didn't sort of overwhelm me with excitement that I was hoping it would. Um, so let's talk about the booth at Comic-Con a little bit. Did you guys take a look at uh the pictures of the booth yep saw a couple snapshots it was pretty cool it depicts the scene uh where there's a family that i guess has been overtaken by fear and grief and has committed suicide yep and rick finds them they've blown their own faces off and stuff like that and scrawled on the wall in blood uh at comic-con it said please forgive us in the tv show and in the comic it says god forgive us yep. apparently the word god is not allowed at comic-con Oh, they really? To, they had to change it. Yeah, that's why. So if I you read. had a comic called God, could you not go to Comic Con? I think that's different because it's your title. But could you could you call it Deity instead? Deity, forgive us. No, that's the same thing. I think the idea is that what not if you everyone believes it in God. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> <laughs> that's like spelling dog. D a w g. Dude, forgive us. <laughs> dude, he's going dude. Dude, capital D. I think dude. God would mind if I called him dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I that would probably fly. <laughs> um, anyways, that booth. It was one of the more elaborate booths I've ever seen at a con. Uh, in picture or otherwise real life so well there's a deer on the there's a deer head on the uh, on the wall there that's, that's pretty elaborate that's pretty elaborate Absolutely. i wonder if it was a real deer head or whether it was a uh, if i'm not mistaken one. in the windows and in the tvs that were set up there they had the trailer playing which i thought was pretty cool oh, so you could them. you could hang around and watch cool. it again um the best quality bootleg version of the trailer i could find online came from the booth somebody yes. who filmed it at the booth rather than at the panel so oh yeah yeah it was pretty cool um I thought it was pretty neat. Looked good. Uh, very exciting. So the motion comic for The Walking Dead was also released. Have you guys ever watched motion comics? I have not. I have, don't have much interest in motion comics. Well, here's the thing. I was really, really disinterested in The Walking Dead motion comic because I watched The, Walking, um, the Watchmen one. Right. When The Watchmen movie came out, and I watched at least part of The Watchmen motion comic, and... Yeah, it didn't do much for me. I didn't I didn't love it. It's a single voiceover doing all the the dialogue. In that case it was kinda just like books on tape. I felt like the panels were weren't animated enough. They were just the panels, a little bit of movement and it moved through them. Like the Ken <laughs> so Burns like effect. The video game. The what? Dave? The, just remember X Men the video game? Oh yeah. I yeah, yeah. to terrible. It was a comic. There were no cutscenes, it was like comic book cutscenes. Yeah. Um so well, I that was a style choice, though. That's not just because they were lazy. Style choice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's choose crap. <laughs> Excellent some peop- direction. Some people choose crap. Yes, they do. That idea has legs. Anyway. I've known people who chose anyway. crap. So I wasn't I all you. that excited about the motion comic, and then I watched it, and it's amazing. Is it? I only watched the first few seconds of it. Uh, I, I loved it. It's totally animated. The characters move and walk. But it's the drawings right out of the book. It's really amazing, I thought, how they animated it. I mean, the characters move a little bit funny because there's only so much you can do. But um, it depicts up until the point where Rick uh, gets clobbered by the shovel uh, when he's at his house. Right. Yeah. And, 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 like, he's limping the whole time and stuff like that. And, And they just did a really, really nice job. The... The voiceover, the narration is really good. It mm. kind of works better because there's not a lot of dialogue. It's Rick by himself yeah. most of the time, right? right. So it, it, it worked a little better for me. We'll see when there's more characters involved and he's doing more uh, more voices. But I thought they did a really, really nice job with it. Well, I'll have to yeah. check that out. I highly recommend it. Look um, at more length of it. More length of it? No. Watch the rest of watch it. Watch the whole that? damn thing. <laughs> there you go. Dave, I recommend you do it too. It's pretty cool. I will take a stab at it. All right. No pun intended. Why would it, what, what pun is that? I don't know. Stab. A lot of people get stabbed in this. Come on. It's a zombie film. It's not a slasher film. Shut up. I will take a bite out of it. <laughs> I will take a bite out of the brains of the comp. Very good. I recommend you 
put your eyeballs on it and watch it. There you go. Um, that's all the news I have for this week, folks. We didn't do our regular uh, cast update or anything, although there are a few new announcements, but we'll get back into that next week. Um, right now, why don't we move into a little bit of listener feedback? So here's a question posed to us by a listener that I thought could uh, prompt some discussion. This is from Ryan, and he says, Hey, guys, I've been thinking. Is Rick the best or worst thing that could have happened to the Atlanta group? Would they have been better off without Rick? Or is this kind of heart or is his kind of harsh leadership the only thing that has kept them from becoming zombies? Jason, what do you think? Okay. Um I think I think he was a good thing that would happen to them because actually I th- I do think that he was uh he probably saved their lives in a number of ways. Uh first of all, he taught them to shoot. He went he was responsible for going back into Atlanta to get more weapons, which I think was uh, came in very handy as time went by. Um, yeah, I think they all would have died without, uh, without Rick. And I think Rick would have died without Carl. Well, that was his whole motivation, finding his family. But, uh, Dave, what do you think? Do you think the Atlanta group would have been better off with, without Rick? Or do you think he, he helped them survive? Well, I mean, Rick is a sheriff. He's a leader. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So I think they were probably in the best hands. I don't, I I'm not saying that they couldn't have survived with, say, Shane as their leader, who they seem to sort of be leaning towards when we meet up with them. But no, Rick, better, good. <laughs> Rick, good. I think my, I think the way I have to, you know, think about a question like this is to try and imagine what would have happened had he not been there. What would that group have done if he had never shown up? Um, would they have left the camp in Atlanta to move? To move on and seek safer, seek somewhere safer to live. Would they yeah. have gone back into Atlanta? Would they have just stayed there? Um, I'm not sure they would have left necessarily, or at least so. at least not as quickly as they did. Um, and I think staying at that camp or potentially going back into Atlanta would not have been a good idea. And I think they would have been overwhelmed um, a lot quicker. Did Rick prompt them to leave? If I remember correctly, there was a bit of debate about it. There was, but, but I'm not sure who was an advocate that was of leaving. One of, the, one of the argument points between Shane and Rick, wasn't it? Yeah, they, I don't think Shane wanted to leave, but Rick uh, convinced him to. So they would have stayed. I think they would have stayed, exactly. And, you know, in the unless you have the really the best place, the safest place to be, staying on the move is probably the safest thing you can do. Yeah. Staying um, in a field and sitting on top of a camper probably not the best thing to do you know it only takes so long before whoever's on night watch falls asleep and you end up yeah with that a... would probably be me i'd be that guy <laughs> yeah that's right i get very tired at night i don't know about you guys well that's the thing i you I'm know okay as long as i'm not lying down <laughs> well i can fall asleep sitting up i have no problem with that yeah i mean even on top of a camper you know so i think to answer ryan's question i think we all t- tend to agree that rick was a benefit to that camp and he did in fact save a lot of lives for a long time or longer than necessarily that pe- those people would have survived yeah i think in the zombie apocalypse it's not really a question of if you die it's a matter of when and i think he's been able to prolong their lifespans significantly by being there yeah i think so that's what makes him a hero a little bit you know good question ryan good question from ryan excellent asking uh, Evil Prodigy writes in one more time. Evil Prodigy, also known as our biggest fan. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Mr. Prodigy. Uh, gentlemen, he says, great cast this week, already episode 15. I love the fact that we got almost a full hour. I need some, uh, I read somewhere that listening to you guys is like hanging out with friends shooting the shit, and I must agree. Uh, I find myself talking along with the podcast. You know what? Me too. <laughs> yeah, we talk along with the podcast every time. <laughs> I feel like we're just shooting the shit with friends. Thanks again for making my travels behind the wheel that much better. Keep on keeping on. Thank you, Evil Prodigy. It's great to hear from you again, and we appreciate the fact that you like the show. That's it. I love it. Please we... continue to enjoy your wheels safely. <laughs> Please continue. Absolutely. Yeah, and drive responsibly. Don't uh, listen to us too Don't loud. Don't nerd and drive. Don't nerd and drive. <laughs> Podcast responsibly. Uh, Jason, do we have any iTunes five-star review shout-outs this week? We do. We have one from the U.S. store uh, from Dr. Zhivago. Oh, wow. Oh. 
this is a great The Walking Dead podcast on all accounts. Great info, sight, sound quality, length, etc. That's two comments on length. Uh, it's especially nice to hear about The Walking Dead from guys who aren't completely immersed in the general comic book scene. I highly recommend this podcast. Cool. Thank you, Dr. Zhivago. And we are definitely not completely immersed in the entire comic book scene. No. I mean, to be honest with you, listeners, it's the only comic book I read regularly. It's the only comic book I own, except for I bought uh, Marvel Zombies number one, written by Robert Kirkman. Well, it's Kirkman. Did you? Uh, I did. I, I bought also, it at the airport. Oh, there you go. I read, um, or I was for a while reading Invincible, another one of Kirkman's books released by Image. And uh, I'm a little behind on that now, but I do plan on getting caught up one day. I'm actually uh, planning on picking up uh, another zombie comic uh, written by author Brian Keane called The Last Zombie. And uh, I believe the second issue comes out Wednesday. Really? So Brian, that too. Brian Keane, the zombie novelist, is writing comics yes. now, eh? Oh, yes, he is. That's cool. Yes, is. Did oh, you say you've read the first out. one already? Or I have not? not read the first one. Cool. Uh, I read, uh, I think he released a couple couple panels uh, just for preview purposes. But, I mean, it looked pretty cool. And as Brian Keane, I think he's... Pretty cool. I recently so started following him on Twitter, so yeah. uh, I'm ho- hopefully I'll stay up on top of that because that does sound cool. I might go and ask about it at my local comic book shop. I would recommend that you do. I might do the same thing at the same local comic book shop. <laughs> Seeing as we live down the street from each other. I think yeah. you should race. <laughs> I'll win. I'm closer to the comic book shop than Chris is. Yeah, but I'm more... Yes, Chris is sneaky. <laughs> I was going to say... But I'm crafty. Oh, well, how about that? <laughs> Sneaky and crafty. Okay. Well, That's what they called us in high school. Pony bottle and Chris will buy the, buy the comic book. <laughs> and I might win because sometimes I get stabby. Oh, stabby. well. I'll stay away from you then. <laughs> That's going to wrap up this episode of The Talking Dead, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with episode 17. I hope. I'm going to be out of town, but we'll see what we can do uh, to get the recording happening. If not... I apologize deeply, and we'll be back the week after that. Um, If you would like to contact us, you could do so by going to TalkingDeadPodcast.com, where you can leave comments, or email us at uh, TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Fearhurst. That's F-E-A-R-H-U-R-S-T. Jason, you? Uh, Jason Miles, uh, Twitter.com slash Jason Miles. And Dave? Twitter.com slash Renerd, R-E-N-E-R-D. Thank you very much. Um, just for those, in case you didn't notice, I recently added a kind of a Twitter aggregate widget to our site where it updates tweets from all three of us in one, one place. I saw there. that. It's very fancy. Fancy, I thought. How yeah. do you, how do you, fancy, is, like is there, is there a feature that uh, Twitter offers that allows you to do such a device? Uh, it's a plugin. It's a WordPress plugin. Oh, okay. That I, I modified slightly. God bless so. WordPress. Yeah, is there anything it can't do? Um, finally, if you would like to call us, and we would love it if you called us, you can do so at 206-202-1568. That is the zombie line, or the talking deadline, and it's really, really nothing. I'm just making that up. But <laughs> what please, happened in 1568? We tried that last week. Nothing. <sighs> we tried that, yeah. It doesn't spell anything. Nothing happened in that year. It's, it's, it's a, it rolls off the tongue well. But it's a nothing number. So 206-202-1568. Please call us and leave us your feedback, questions, jingle for it, comments. Least. You were supposed to do that, a jingle. Well, see how good idea that is? That's a good idea. <laughs> All right. On that note, everybody, uh, for me, for Dave, for Jason, for Zombies Everywhere, thanks for joining us, and we will see you again soon. Good night. Buongiorno.